Hello and welcome back to the Weekside Podcast. I'm Jenny Frentis here as always with Connor Orr. We have a very special off-season episode planned for you. I cannot wait to dive into this. It is a little bit of a trip down memory lane. This is an episode that's kind of holding Connor Orr accountable a little bit. So uh, I'm really, I'm ready to dive into it, Connor. As if I've been like the whole time uh, saying that what I've actually been predicting is going to be true. But this is good. It's uh, I'm I'm glad uh, I'm glad I'm being taken to task. So listen, of all of the people I've worked with through the years, you probably are the least in need of being taken to task. But thank you for being a good sport. So that is going to be the bulk of the show. But before we get into this very special section, which has been set up by our awesome producer Shelby Royston. We're just going to throw out one storyline that we think should be getting more attention this offseason, Connor. Why don't you go first? All right. So I I think uh, this is like it's going to be so weird, right? Because I think this offseason is we think going to be defined by quarterback movement. um, And what if it doesn't? Right. What if everything contracts? Um, What if the music stops? And everybody wants to just run back to their own chairs and musical chairs. Mm. And I think what we're not talking enough about is like, we assume that there's going to be a piece for every, um, you know, a fit for every puzzle. And, you know, I did just like one random look at what could happen if, you know, certain people move to certain places. But if you kind of keep looking through this thing, I mean, there could be a scenario where, I don't know, if you're the Bears, if you're the Colts, uh, especially those two teams uh there's a good chance that you end up with or the patriots like those three teams there's a chance that you might end up with nothing you know um or you know really a less than ideal situation and i think that that in combination with what we've been talking about all offseason with the patriots did bill belichick lose a little bit of his luster with the tom brady super bowl does he have the power to draw players when tom brady isn't there all that kind of stuff I think is going to be a fascinating component of like the QB carousel is which of these GMs are sitting on their hands um, and not being proactive enough to go out and get the quarterbacks and which one, you know, where are they going to land outside of uh, kind of the guys that we had talked about? Because I think it's going to be that secondary market um, below Wentz that kind of defines this this next season. You know, I think if Deshaun Watson doesn't go to the 49ers, for example, if he ends up with the Jets or another kind of 500 or below team, I think they're going to stay relatively 500 or below until they get a chance to build something there. Um, but Otherwise, like I, I think like the Jimmy Garoppolo's, the Jacoby Brissett's, like all these guys could end up really defining the offseason in a way that maybe we didn't think they would. And, and that's whether they're going to move somewhere or whether they're going to stay with their initial team. And yeah, Connor, you wrote a really great primer and it was basically presented as one turn of the quarterback carousel, which I think was a great way to do it because there are so many ways this could shake out. Although I will say it. A lot of the ones that you picked seemed like really smart and I could see it falling into place exactly as you gamed it out. But your point was there's so many different paths to go down. It's a very much a choose your own adventure type of thing. And one decision affects all these other ones that follow. So um, so people should check that out. But then, yes, also keep in mind that maybe it's not as exciting as planned. I, I like that take. You know, I was curious to your thoughts on this, like, 
we're talking about Deshaun Watson in particular, and everybody's saying that he wants to go to the 49ers, and that's like his, that's the new Deshaun Watson rumor du jour, right? First it was the Jets, and then it was the Dolphins, and now it's the 49ers. But you're wondering, like, when these quarterbacks start moving around and things really start jarring loose, could there be a scenario where it's really these three or four offensive coaches that everybody reveres that really hold all the power in this thing? I mean, Sean McVay got Matt Stafford. Uh, Kyle Shanahan is now allegedly a front runner for Deshaun Watson. And these guys want to go where the three or four best offenses are and the most friendly offenses to play. Like all of a sudden, like a lot of other teams seem to be at an extreme disadvantage there. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting when the destinations for Deshaun Watson were floated initially, I mean, the Jets and Miami, both of those are defensive head coaches and the risk of going to a team led by a defensive head coach um, are that the offensive coordinator, you have a good year, they get a job somewhere else. There can be a lot of change there. Whereas if you go to play for the 49ers, you know, you're going to be in an offense led by Kyle Shanahan for your time there. So it was interesting to hear, you know, obviously Miami had a, a, a really good season last year, probably farther along than maybe we thought in this rebuild of theirs. And so there are a lot of attractive reasons to go to Miami, but still your head coach is is a defensive head coach and then same with New York so maybe you like the offensive coordinator or you think there are other reasons to go there but that is something to keep in mind too when comparing destinations yeah I think I would pick like if I was Deshaun Watson and I had a full no trade I would say that Miami's probably pretty high up there in terms of uh in terms of ideal destinations I think I'd like to land there yeah I think it's a, it's a good option I mean it seems like Brian Flores is really building something there that's special. And I could see why the 49ers would be high on the list too. Obviously they were in the Super Bowl two years ago and Kyle Shanahan has a successful system that's being copied around the league. And it's just nice, you know, to walk to the beach to, uh, you know, to just be in, you know, you could go down to the Florida Keys for a weekend and it's not really that big of a hassle. You know, I think I'm just projecting, right? Because we're about to get hit with another foot of snow. So that's really kind of what this is about. Yeah, it's been a rough go with snow and ice, Connor. That is for sure. Yeah, we'll thaw it eventually. Okay, so <laughs> what is your, um, what's your, uh, what's your thing that people aren't talking enough about this offseason but probably should be? Well, and perhaps after this weekend, people are talking about this a little bit because of a great article written by Bob Glauber, friend of the podcast, friend of both of us, really. Bob Glauber of Newsday wrote a great column uh, shedding a, a light on how Therese Paler, the former Yahoo sports writer who passed suddenly last week, had really spoken up for Terrell Owens in the Hall of Fame voters room uh, Therese Paler was the youngest Hall of Fame voter. He was one of a very few black voices in that room. And he pointed out that growing up, T Terrell Owens was a generational player. He was this icon uh, that he saw watching football. And I thought it was, you know, the way Bob presented it, Terrell Owens didn't know that this was a factor in him finally getting into the Hall of Fame, that what Therese spoke up and said that day helped switch the room and, you know, um, it just was a really valuable perspective into the power of a voice like Therese Paler. And, and Bob Glauber also spoke to Matt Mayocco of NBC Sports Bay Area, who had presented the Hall of Fame case for T.O. And Mayocco had said, you know, to hear a young black man talk about what drew him to the sport that he loved and made an impression on him as a young man was a perspective that I had never 
personally considered. And he said it sort of changed people's eyes to a new perspective and a way of defining what a Hall of Famer is. And so I think there were a lot of things to be gained from that column, certainly the influence of someone like Therese in the industry and the importance of his voice, but also a reconsideration of the Hall of Fame voting process, how the people who are in the room are selected. The reality is that room is the majority white men. And Uh, that's a singular perspective. I mean, okay, everyone is different and everyone has different experiences or they cover different beats they bring to the table, but there's just such a lack of diversity of voices in that room. And I think it should really prompt a scrutiny of the voting process, of how voters are picked, of why there isn't a more diverse room, why a sport that has predominantly black players are being voted on by very, very predominantly white voices. And so I hope that by Bob shining a light on what took place in that room that day with one specific player, that perhaps that can spark a broader conversation about how the Hall of Fame is voted for in football and maybe ways in which that voting process can be changed. Yeah, I I'd read so many good tributes um, to Therese over the last few days. And, you know, in a lot of them, they had said that, oh, Therese is on, was on his way to being a star. He was 37. Therese was a star. You know, he was uh, the kind of guy that just lit up every room that he walked into. He was always so kind and, you know, uh, just such a good soul. And, you know, in general, uh, this has been such a tough couple weeks for our business, really a tough couple months. I mean, to lose Vaughn McClure, to lose Chris Wessling, to lose Therese Paler, all guys that, you know, when you're talking about the offseason, you just added so much to the conversation with everything that they did. And so I think it's important, regardless, to keep, you know, all those people in their in your memory. I mean, you know, as much as you know, they're friends of ours and coworkers of ours, I know that they all did such a good job, you know, Therese uh, definitely leading the pack in terms of just creating those connections with readers and uh, and bringing them into uh, his unique view of pro football. The same could be said with Chris and Vaughn. So, you know, I think it's definitely important to keep all those guys, you know, in in mind when we're when we're moving through this. Because you know, everything gets busy and everything gets crazy. But you know, the part of the reason that we're here getting to do what we do is because of the creativity of some of our colleagues too. So, you know, it's uh, I'm glad that you brought that up, Jenny, for sure. Yeah, and you know, I didn't read Terrell Owens' quote to Bob Glauber, but he said, I didn't hear anything about Therese and his perspective and how they were deliberating on me. It's so unfortunate that I'm learning of this after this man's passing. Honestly, I wish I could have spoken to him to say thank you. What he did is being courageous. You're standing up sometimes against giants. For him to be that young in a room of elders and people that have been on that committee for some time, that speaks volumes. And I think Owen's point also indicates that the Hall of Fame process is so shrouded in secrecy. Mm -hmm. And I think we realize that processes that are shrouded in secrecy and that are um, not fully transparent often do so to, you know, cover for biases and allow people to say things that are unfounded or allow people to, you know, make points that they would be afraid to make in front of the public. And I understand there is some value in a private conversation so that people can speak freely. But I do think the Hall of Fame process really suffers from a lack of transparency. And I thought Owen's point there also spoke to that. Yeah. And and this was, I, I, I think it's a continuation of sort of an uprooting that our business had a few years ago where we're no longer, thankfully, allowed to just have that, you know, 
there is just not that singular old boys club thought group. There is, you know, there is a breaking down of walls. And you're right. I mean, it should be the Hall of Fame process. We should all be able to listen to that. Everybody should be able to hear that discussion because it does. It, it, it further adds transparency to a business that we demand it from everybody else. And we should be able to fully comply with that. And we should show our fans and our readers like this is what exists in my heart. Like this is this is how I think. And so I think that that would only serve to better and better those relationships. So, you know, I think it's awesome that, you know, Therese being one of the youngest guys in the room just decided to go from the heart there. And it obviously resulted in a significant course correction in NFL history. I mean, Terrell Owens was dominant. He should have been in the Hall of Fame. And, you know, the reason that he wasn't before then was because, you know, certain people just deemed him a quote unquote locker room distraction uh, from coaches who pass that information along anonymously and then it doesn't get filtered before it hits somebody's column, you know, and, and that's really what it was. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy that you brought that up and I'm, I'm happy that Therese had such conviction there too. All right, Connor. So I think it's time to transition into this much awaited segment. And I think for listeners of the podcast, I believe, and certainly for me, the Oracle is the best segment every week. Connor really puts himself out there. He makes <laughs> predictions. I mean, the Rentis consensus is just kind of like, whatever, I make a point and it just it's happens the to be what I feel that program. day. No, no, no. The Oracle is courageous because you're saying this is going to happen. It's something that can be checked often within a week's time, sometimes a little bit longer, but that is what we're doing today. We are, thanks to the wonderful work of Shelby, revisiting, I believe, nine oracles from this past season. I've been told that some are correct, some are not. (laughs) We're going to dissect them, what happened. This is going to be fun, Connor. We've been waiting all season for this. I got butterflies in my stomach. I'm really thrilled that Shelby was able to make this happen. And we all know that Shelby is great with the sound effects. So I'm, uh, I'm very excited. All right. So without further ado, Shelby, what do we have for the first oracle? The new big-name Tampa Bay players you think will be good will not be good. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We are starting off with a bang. Damn it. (laughs) I mean, listen, Connor, I I was right there with you. Oh, Oh, man. Yeah, I was like, I I remember this, and I think I wrote a column about this, too, which is even worse. I was just like, okay. Yeah, you know, Rob Gronkowski's going to go down there and make a difference. Yeah, he scored two touchdowns in the Super Bowl, Connor. Uh, you know, Tom Brady, MVP of the Super Bowl. Yeah, that helped. Uh, that helped them out a lot, too. Leonard Fournette, who I made fun of, uh, had a pretty good playoffs. So uh, sorry to everyone there. I guess a blanket sorry to Jason Light, the GM of the Bucks. Uh, you know, that was, uh, whoo. We're sorry off to, to a rough start. <laughs> sorry to Coach Pete, one of our loyal listeners who believed yeah. in the Bucks long before we did. Yeah. But as we said last week, Connor, listen, the Buccaneers were ahead of even their own timeline. Bruce Arians said that he thought next year would be the Super Bowl year, and mm-hmm. this would be the year when they all got on the same page, and then they got hot toward the end of the year. So our Man. assessment was not necessarily that far off of the <laughs> Of the head coach himself, so I, I don't very think nice too, person. we can't be too critical. And plus, I'm I'm with you. I'm probably with you on all of these because generally we agree with each other. So, anytime there's a knock on the oracle, it's it's probably going to be a knock on both of us. So, oh. all right, let's do number two. We're going to be talking about Devonte Freeman a lot more. 
<laughs> All right. So uh, when did you say this exactly, Connor? I don't know. All right. Okay. How was that right? That was totally wrong. De- Devonta Freeman was the was uh yeah no I I don't think I get credit for that one he like <laughs> he signed with the Giants and then had like five carries that was a bad one he had fifty four carries for one hundred seventy two really? rushing yards and one touchdown and seven receptions for <laughs> fifty eight receiving yards Shelby did you think that was Devonta Adams I'm waiting for him to respond to me in the chat. Yeah, he says, whoops, maybe. Okay, that's totally fine. It's okay. Uh, I mean, you know, I thought we were really starting off rough. When he said some of these were right, one of them was double wrong, and (laughs) we just thought it was right by accident. No, that wasn't Devontae Adams. I said uh, Devontae Freeman. (laughs) Oh, the forgettable journeyman running back who uh, I thought would perhaps lift the Giants to the playoffs. And he was waived by the Giants on January 7th. (laughs) He appeared in five games. So, you know, um, I I feel like you made that the day that you were scrambling to or planning to claim Freeman on the waiver wire, Connor. Yeah, I did. And I did. Well, I tried to. Yeah. And I think somebody else beat me to the punch there. But I, I think I was just trying to really psychologically lift all boats there and yeah unfortunately that yeah was a, uh, that was a tough one uh I, in theory uh i felt okay about it the giants offensive line i thought was going to turn things around uh i don't know <laughs> jason garrett it while not being an overly creative play caller had the had the zone blocking thing down from dallas and maybe they were going to do some of that i don't know boy that's a tough one I mean, the Giants could have been division champs, so the season could have gone a lot of different ways. He never that. had his chance to be play playoff right. Lenny. Exactly, he never had his chance. That's exactly so. right, Connor. You know what? So <laughs> two and zero, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to number three, Shelby. Dave Gettleman will retire or be made an advisor <laughs> at the end of the season. <laughs> oh God. So is this one of those things where you get all the bad news first? Well, my what I'm sensing is the pattern from Shelby here is right, wrong, right, wrong. But the one that he thought was right was wrong. So it's been wrong, wrong, wrong <laughs> so far, <laughs> um, right. as have most oracles. Uh, boy, I thought that one was uh, was lock, stock, and gold. Like I thought that one was in the bag. That I, I really felt. I, I felt like that was a clean single when I when I had that one. I really did. I, I feel like I supported that. I remember thinking at the time that Connor always sees these things before it happens. He really is the Oracle because it just made so much sense. I know. Like they were, you know, they had Kevin Abrams and they, pro- you know, they have been looking to kind of find a way to pivot to him for so long. And that's what they do. Like the Giants don't fire legends. Like they didn't fire Tom Coughlin. They offered him a chance to be a special advisor and he like creepily worked out there uh, in the gym for a couple months before working for the league office. And I thought that's what Dave Gettleman's going to do, you know, and that's, ex- you know, it's exactly what he's going to do. Um, 
Yeah, I'm bummed about that one because I thought that one was was right. Maybe we'll save that for for next year. <laughs> Honestly, I was just gonna say, Connor. I mean, I think things were they felt like it was a, a decent season. Maybe they're getting things going in the right direction, and so they wanted to stay the course. But you know, I I could see after another year that being the case. So let's not count that as a miss now. <laughs> Even though you said at the end of the season, I mean, maybe the timeline was off, but you're ultimate prediction was correct that's how i'm gonna yeah. i'm gonna mark it <clears throat> it's like a lot of um it, it's like a lot of palm readers you know when i talk to some of the other fortune tellers palm readers when we have our conventions and stuff <laughs> like the uh the it's it's what is placed in our heart is 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 always right but it's just sometimes you know the the laser beams pointing the wrong way and we kind of just shoot it in the wrong direction a little bit that's that's all it is i think our like our calibration can be off that's what it is i'd yeah. love to go to one of those conventions connor <laughs> see what it's like you'll have anytime. to uh, have You're to welcome devote anytime. A, yeah you'll have to devote a full session to that you know <laughs> uh, outside of the covid era i bet you're excited to attend your next one so 100 percent. yeah all right, let's uh, let's move on to hopefully a good one. Let's see. Let's see what we got next. Fingers crossed. Justin Herbert will win Rookie of the Year. Yeah! Woohoo! Nailed it! <sighs> and <sighs> let's be clear. You said this <sighs> before he was the popular pick. Like I remember when you said it, it was like on the front end. I don't remember exactly what week, but this wasn't like you were saying this week fourteen or fifteen. Like you were on top of this. I feel good about that one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not gonna say I, I'm not gonna say I said it after, before Joe Burrow got hurt, but maybe. Oh, you maybe said I it did. before Joe Burrow got hurt for you sure. You think I said it before yes. Burrow got hurt? Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, all right. you said it very early on in the season. Very good. See, that was okay. We're we're on the right track here, and Justin Herbert. I think uh, I think somebody reported last week he's about to get his Nike deal, so everything's happening for Justin Herbert now. That's good. Yeah. But Justin, remember, this was a Pro Chargers, Pro Dimes podcast before there were Pro Charger and Pro Dimes podcasts. So don't forget about us when you're uh, when you're at the top. Yeah, I mean, Burrow got injured in week eleven, and you were talking about Herbert well before that. So, and I think he was one of the revelations. He was one of the stories of the season. You know. I think people thought he would need a little bit more time to transition to the NFL. And Burrow was the clear pick heading into the season because we knew he would start right away, but we didn't foresee that bizarre situation with Tyrod Taylor. Herbert gets, you know, rushed in right away, despite not expecting to play right away. And he really thrived from his first start on. Um, And so there's a bright future in, in LA because of the way that Herbert played this season. Also, a massive assist to you on that one because 99% of my takes come from your actual, like, reported thoughts. And you were, uh, you were on Herbert from like draft day, uh, as like a guy who was uh, more people were going to talk about. So I kind of like, uh, I, I often steal the energy there and, and then vault that into the Oracle. So I, I, would I don't give think you, that's like, true, but in hockey, you get a point for an assist, right? And statistically, or they like in basketball, they tally those things, right? So that would that would be an assist. To okay, Jim. okay, I'll yeah. take an assist. That that's go. good, Connor. I feel like we have a, a lot of assists uh, of one another. So yeah, yeah. All right, and let's go back to the wrong ones. <laughs> Daniel Jones will end the season as a good quarterback. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh. I mean, not all of our quarterback takes are right. Um, you know, who, really, who, who who is right about quarterbacks all of the time? You're. Uh, I'm going to hire you to be my agent. You're phenomenal at this. You're uh, or my lawyer. You know, uh, just because uh, you, you're ma- you're making the less bad f- feel okay. You know. <laughs> Now let me let's look here. Okay, so Daniel Jones is going to end the season as a good quarterback. Um, so here's my, well, I I'm, I can't even make a good argument for this. Uh, yeah, he only had two games with a quarterback rating above a hundred for the whole season. Um, the last four weeks, a hundred eighty-four. Uh, last five weeks, a hundred eighty-four, seventy, eighty-four, one hundred six. Um, wow did cut down on the interceptions. Uh, he only threw one interception between November 8th and, and January 3rd. Uh, yeah, no. Um, well, I <laughs> the last game of the season, he had a pretty good performance. That was his highest passer rating of the year. The Giants mm-hmm. beat the Cowboys. Uh, then they later missed the playoffs because of the result of the, the night game between Washington and Philly. But I think he ended the season looking okay. I think this says more about Shelby's disbelief in Daniel Jones than oh. it does our belief in Daniel Jones. Um, the, at this point, you know, again, we are too far out and I followed you from the beginning and I'm not saying that I'm not using this as an excuse, but draft night, you said, let's not laugh this pick off. And I still agree with you that we shouldn't mm-hmm. laugh this pick off, mm-hmm. but you and I are so far out into the ocean now that the lifeguard is not going to be able to bring us back. So we have no choice but to stay on this float and hope that Daniel Jones is going to become a good quarterback. Well, yeah. And I will say in fairness, Connor, I think our conversation after that draft was it, it's not absurd that Daniel Jones was taken before Dwayne Haskins, right? Like I think, well, we, yeah, that was our conversation on draft night though. When a lot of people were like Dwayne Haskins would definitely be the second quarterback off the board after Tua. And when the giants took Daniel Jones, we were like, it's not really that crazy. Like a lot of teams didn't love Dwayne Haskins, obviously the Giants loved Daniel Jones and maybe more so than other teams, but they weren't the only evaluators around the league that saw potential. So at least Daniel Jones is still with the team that drafted him. Uh, Unlike Haskins, things haven't gone that poorly for him, but you know, still a lot of, still a lot of room for improvement. Um, Maybe, maybe this is the year that he takes a big step forward. We, you know, they're not, the Giants are not mentioned in these quarterback carousel conversations right now. Uh, And I think if they were, uh, that's more of an indication of their feelings about Daniel Jones, right? Like, I think Daniel Jones is going to get another shot. It's not like they're going out and getting Kirk Cousins. Shelby's going to record that for when they get Kirk Cousins and (laughs) we'll play that. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that was was a tough one. Danny, come on. Like, that was... uh, we still believe, though. I still but, believe. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Somewhere along the way, this has morphed into it wasn't that laughable of a pick on draft nights to were Danny Dines believers because we've kind of leaned into the bit probably far beyond what we actually believe. But at this point, we just have to go with it. So it's life is about bit commitment. That's right. So. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. Yeah. All right. Next one, Shelby. The Rams will be in first place in NFC West by week 15. 
Okay, but in fairness, you thought the Rams were the best team in the NFC West, which they were this season. That's true. By the way, the farthest in the playoffs. Do you remember at the beginning of the season when uh, I, our beloved colleague Jonathan Jones, used to predict all 256 games, and I took that mantle from him, and I had the 49ers going eight and eight, and everybody ate me alive for that, and. I th- I think they finished worse than eight and eight, right? They finished below eight and eight. Yeah, um, and I, th- we both were very high on the Rams, and I I I'm okay with that pick. Uh, I think they played better than any other team in that division that year. Um, uh, th- the Seahawks uh, were less inspiring of a playoff performance, I thought, and the Rams were like, you know, basically didn't have a quarterback in the playoffs. I don't know. I I'm not like. I, I'm disappointed in that one, but I th- I feel okay about that one. I feel yeah. less bad about that one. Yeah, the spirit behind it was correct. Yes, the 49ers, Connor, were six and finished six and ten, and the Seahawks were twelve and four, and the Rams were ten and six. But as we all know, the Rams beat the Seahawks in the playoffs despite having a quarterback that had just had surgery on his finger. Then they went to Green Bay and they lost, but they made it the farthest of any NFC West team. I think your thought process of them being the best NFC West team, you were accurate. And you thought they were going to have a bounce back year from last season, which they did. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I'm okay with that one. I, that one does not, uh, that one does not bruise the ego too much. That's okay. I'm, uh, I'm good with that one. I'm all right. All right. Let's see what we got next. Hopefully a right one. We're going to be hearing more about Joe Brady being the coach everyone needs to lock up. Gosh. (laughs) We did hear more about him being the coach everyone had to lock up. But not really. (laughs) Well, I mean, maybe maybe for next year. Maybe you're just a little too early on this I think he interviewed in two places. Uh, this off season, I think I'm a year ahead on that one too. I think you're a uh, year ahead on that one. Yes. Oh man. But um, I mean, there was some buzz that he would be in a lot of these conversations, and you do a great job every year with the head coach candidates list. So you heard his name a lot. He interviewed for the Eagles job. I know. Um, trying to think where else he interviewed. Did he interview with the Chargers? Trying to trying to look up a list of. So I. Uh, I wrote the two candidates that I like spotlighted this year were Joe Brady and uh, Joe Brady and um, Brandon Staley. And so I feel good. Okay. And and both of those were done like around Thanksgiving um, or earlier. Joe Brady, I think was in October and then Brandon Staley was around Thanksgiving. So I feel okay about that one. I don't feel great about that one, but yeah, I mean, he he did interview with five teams yeah. Um, producer Shelby, Houston, Atlanta, LA, Philadelphia, and the Jets. Okay. So yeah. I don't think that's bad. And then Staley got the Chargers job. So I, you know, I did not, there was a name, obviously, a hired name that was not on my list, my initial list. I had 40 names on the list, and uh, David Culley was not on that list. Well, that's and understandable. So, yeah, that was a tough one. And I didn't put Urban Meyer on it because I honestly thought that he was uh, he was going to stay in broadcasting. But so it was a kind of a rough off season for the for the coaching list in general. Um, but 
I, I'm okay with Joe Brady. I think Joe Brady's going to be a head coach next year because they're going to get they're they're either going to get a quarterback in the draft or they're going to trade for a veteran quarterback because they were in the conversation for Matt Stafford and that's going to further elevate I think his status as a like premium play caller. Yeah, interviewing with five teams is a lot. So didn't work out in any of these openings this year. But if you interview with five teams, there is a lot of interest around the league. And like you said, they have the opportunity to build on this year. I mean, I thought the Panthers had a more successful season than we thought they would have this year. And if they continue that forward into 2021, he'll have some more interviews. Yeah. All right. That was okay. I feel okay about that one. All right. Next up, Shelby. Arizona will beat Seattle in week 11. See, Uh, Connor, the art of the Oracle really should be less. You should be less specific (laughs) because that one, there's no wiggle room on. No, no. I I really honestly, based on your tone there, thought that you were going to try to defend me on that one too, and just be like, "Well, what is a win?" You know, and, <laughs> and then have it go that way. You know, football's about more than wins and losses. <laughs> you know, when they left the field, they felt good about themselves, <laughs> and I would count that as as a plus in the win column. Uh, yeah, no, that there's you know I, you know what it is. It's staying away from game predictions. That is. Your, that is your area. Uh, there is a special sort of, you know, there are there are us the the holistic oracles, and then there are the scientific oracles that make people money, and that is you. Like Jenny won our staff picks, I think, for like the second time in three years this year. Correct? I don't know if that's true, and I also barely <laughs> eked out a win, but you know, hey, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in your defense, the Cardinals really got off to a, heart, a hot start this season. I mean, what? They were they were 5-2 and two before their bye week, and then they finished 3-6 and six after that point. I mean, what happened to the Cardinals after the week 8 bye was really a big disappointment. Do you, can I drop a Cardinals tidbit on the show, by the way? There's no other place to put it. Like, Great. There's yes. Not even. Uh, so this is I what got- we're here for. Yeah, I, I think you'll like this. I got an email from a research firm that tested every NFL team's Twitter accounts for who had the largest percentage of fake followers, robot followers. Cardinals, number one, by a landslide. Almost 50% of their wow. followers are fake. Russian election-stealing bots. Wow. How about that? Wow. Yeah. That 44%. is really interesting. That's that a lot. Is interesting. I mean, it does... We, we talk about this a lot, right? That when you write articles, there are articles or certain teams that you write about that really resonate. They have robust fan bases, win or lose. I mean, if you write an article about the Browns, even before this season, right? The Browns article would always draw a lot of attention because the Cleveland fan base is very robust. I mean, obviously Dallas and the NFC East. I mean, there's a lot of really robust fan bases, the Bills. But if you think about the fan bases that don't really respond to articles written about them. I would say the Cardinals are probably at the top of the list. So the fake follower thing makes sense. Yeah. I just thought that was really funny. Um, And just a screaming indictment of everything going on over there in Arizona. So, you know, wake up people. 
uh, great know, tidbit. Just, glad yeah. that we glad that Shelby pulled your incorrect <laughs> week ten take so that we could use that tidbit. This is a classic example of everything happens for a reason, Connor. That's you right. picked you that know. game wrong so that you'd be able to drop that tidbit on the show. It's about looking at the positive. That's right. That's all it is. Yeah, exactly. Okay. We have. Do you have? Do we have more? The Giants will win the NFC East. <laughs> but you were so close. You were so close. Yeah, that was, by, uh, by the way, that was when uh, I went off. And uh, that was the game, obviously, that the Eagles tanked. Um, and uh, uh, and that kind of changed the direction of things. They were winning that game. And I do think that that was maybe part of the reason that the column that I wrote afterwards, just ripping the Eagles to shreds, that was probably some of it. Because I did feel like I put myself out there on that prediction, especially. Um, but God, I was so close. You really then, were. You should have gotten that right. I remember and, watching that game thinking, yeah. And all it took was like like legitimately a decision that was so wayward that it ended up getting Doug Peterson fired, you know? Right, and so right. It, there really was an extraordinary circumstance at hand there, I think. A little bit, right? I mean, yes, Connor. I would say that if I were evaluating you, like let's say you were the head coach and I'm a club owner and I'm evaluating all of your losses on the season, I would say that at least I can understand why the losses happened. In many cases, your thought process was correct. You just ended up on the wrong side of things. So I would say that that is not a fireable case for you. It's like I would when like to you, retain you. Yeah. It's like when, uh, when you first start algebra, and you get most of it, you get the answer wrong, but you have to show your work in like the block space and you right. get partial credit for getting almost yes! all the way there. This you know? is partial credit. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. I feel good about that. That's fine. My, you know? my dad was a chemical engineering professor and the class that he taught or one of the classes that he taught heat transfer and fluid mechanics, but the exams are always like math problems, essentially. And my dad was such a supportive professor that like if you just wrote down the formula that you were supposed to use you would get some partial credit even if oh. you didn't know how to use the formula or didn't apply it in the right way or even if everything you didn't put down anything else after writing down the formula if you at least put down the formula that applied to the problem you would get some credit so you know you like to help the students along encourage them for any correct thought process so oh well what a good guy Dr. V is a good man. I would I would have appreciated having him in any of the math classes that I'd taken uh, beyond long division. That was the the long division was the last time I really felt like I I had an had an anchor on what was going on there. And then after that, it really kind of got away from me. You know, you liked long division. Long division was I think because there was a lot of tricks. And, um, and it was the last time that I was really on top of something mathematically. Like I, like I remember like just loving long division. I remember teaching my friends how to do long division and being really passionate about it. And then thinking, well, math is, I got this. And then pre-algebra just, it was like running into a brick wall, you know, uh, fractions, all that stuff. And, and then it's just like, forget it, you know, the, and, and, and now we're, I'm a sports writer. So, but I'm you're a, you're a sports writer who can do math. So I mean, like, probably not anymore. Forgot a lot of a lot of what I learned, as my family likes to remind me. Have you retained nothing from your science education? I get asked a lot, <laughs> um, and the answer is, uh, well, I've retained some, but not as much as you, clearly. So, um, <laughs> but yes, that's also why I am a sports writer as well. But that was well, a great exercise. Yeah, 
thank you, Shelby, uh, for doing that, for putting that together. Uh, the Oracle is a, uh, it's a blessing to do it every week. So I appreciate everybody hanging on, committing to the bit with us. Uh, as you can see, we like to have a lot of fun with it, even if we're not right, wrong, good, bad, or indifferent. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna, like parlay two, two or three of those, and I'm gonna just push them into the future. Uh, I would take if you gave me odds on the Giants winning. Okay, Shelby, start recording again. If you gave me odds on the Giants winning the NFC East again next year, uh, if of Dave Gettleman retiring at the end of next year, of the Rams winning the division next year i'm i'm taking all those like i i feel pretty good about those what else what else did we feel oh and joe brady joe becoming brady. a head coach yep, that, that was that the other year? one i feel pretty good about those i don't think anyone's going to be talking about devonta freeman next year <laughs> but uh but I'll, I'll i'll parlay four of those i'll push them right back into the center of the table i feel good about that and just to add on to how visionary your big win was with the Justin Herbert pick, <laughs> Justin Herbert was your oracle to be rookie offensive rookie of the year on October 12th on the oh. episode we recorded October 12th, which was after week five, Connor. Oh, yeah. Wow. So you were really on top of this one. I just wanted to add that. I looked through my records and I see it right here. Oracle colon Herbert, October 12th. Wow. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. Good for, good for me. All right. So the, you know, so the the big win was an even bigger win is is all I'm saying, Connor. <laughs> Thank you for uh for that for the and and for all of our viewers a lesson during pandemic times on taking what seems to be incorrect and flipping it uh some especially heavy lifting on Jenny's part today uh into a positive. So I thought that was very good. Good exercise for everybody. This was a great episode. Thanks to Shelby for pulling all those clips. And as we look ahead to next week, please write us at weeksidepod at gmail.com. We'd like to do a mailbag in the coming weeks. A few of us have sent some, or a few of you have sent us some good notes that we've saved. Um, and please write in with some more. We want to definitely encourage a dialogue in the weeks to come. And if you want to hold Ca Connor accountable for some of these oracles, be my guest. I will gladly add them to next week's show notes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Weekside Podcast is me, Jenny Rentis, and Connor Orr. We are produced by Shelby Royston. SI's executive producer of podcasts is Scott Brody. Mark Moravik is the emeritus executive director of the MMQB. Our theme music was written and composed by singer-songwriter Ryan Harris-Brown, whose latest album, Stranded in the Present Tense, is available now on all major streaming services. Keep up with the Weekside Podcast by subscribing to our new feed. And while you're there, leave a rating and review. It really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Radio.com, Stitcher, or wherever else you find your podcasts.